Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hey y'all, this is Josiah Gray, and this is Half Street High Heat. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat, episode six of season four. And it is a big episode indeed, as we have some big news since the last time recorded. Daylight savings time is over. We are officially no longer changing our clocks. We are having more sunlight. Daylight savings time is stupid. And that was by far the biggest news of the past week. Oh, and the lockouts ended and, uh, you know, we're all good to go. I am Nick. You can follow me on Twitter at Nats Moose. I am joined by both Ryan and Trey. You can follow them at We Are All Shack and Reverse Two R's Two S's, respectively, on Twitter. Guys, how we doing? How we feeling that baseball is finally back? Ecstatic. Yeah, I, I got to be honest. Like the when the the deal was accepted, which I believe was Thursday, which of course was the day we released our episode, so we couldn't talk about it, as you know typically happens with us of course um but when it first got announced that baseball was back i felt nothing and i was just i guess i was just so desensitized to the will they won't they of it all and the you know owners narratives and whatnot and it didn't really hit me until the move started happening and then the rush of hope for the nat season came back to me only to be crushed by the first two weeks of the season when the nats start like one and nine (laughs) so you know that that's how my uh immediate post lockout sense was feeling um ryan how you feeling my man yeah i didn't feel any hope for the nats season (laughs) um but it wasn't hope but it like just i guess excitement i guess i mean i was just excited that we're gonna have some free agency moves like i love the off season and we're getting a condensed version of it. So we have some, we've had some pretty exciting days. The last couple of days have kind of stunk, but they should pick back up. But no, I mean, baseball was back, announced it. NFL free agency was starting right away. Tom Brady said, screw you, baseball. I'm taking the limelight. <laughs> I'm back. Like there was just a lot going on. And I'm ex- it's exciting, you know, like sports are pretty good right now. This is a very, I don't say underrated because everyone loves this time of year, but like this is a great time of year for sports. Baseball's back. NFL preseason, the tournament starts this week, the Masters coming up, you know, life's good, daylight savings, I hate when it's dark at four o'clock, 
glad that's staying forever. And yeah, you know, baseball's back, baby. I'm excited. <laughs> it's what you mentioned the Tom Brady thing, and that was obviously massive news. But baseball had some legitimate big moves that happened, and it didn't even like scratch the surface of the. I mean, I'm talking Twitter, but like just the news attention. It was all football. <laughs> like no matter what baseball tried to do, and there was a lot, like I said, but it, it was all football. A um, couple of notable moves in case you've been living under a rock. Uh, let's see. Freddie Freeman, presumably out of Atlanta. They trade for Matt Olson, gave up a, a huge package for, for him to get him from Oakland, and then immediately signed him to an eight-year, $168 million extension which Robbery. I mean, they're, they're holding these guys at gunpoint uh, to sign these team friendly dis- deals. I disagree. Oh, I, oh. I, I disagree on the takes of the Olsen deal. I was, I was waiting for you to bring it up. I'm actually excited. You, you set me up like that. Okay. Well, the floor is yours. Um, No, I mean, it's everyone was like, Oh my God, this is highway robbery. It's not like, you have to consider the fact that he plays first base and historically there's not a lot of money in first base. Um, it's very interesting because it's actually one of the higher average salary positions in the league right now. But in MLB history, only four guys have gotten over 200 million who play first. Two of them are all time greats. One is going to be a Hall of Famer eventually. And the other is Prince Fielder, who was on the Hall of Fame track before his career tragically ended. And you look at the Olsen contract. You know, you can't really argue that he should have gotten 200 million. Freddie Freeman hasn't signed yet because he wants 200 million and no one is going there. 21 mil AAV. He's the third highest paid first baseman in the game, only behind Joey Votto and only behind Paul Goldschmidt. And I don't really think at this point in time, you can make the argument that Matt Olson should be paid more than those two. It's one of the rare times that the Braves sign a contract and it's actually a good market value deal. People react like that because it's the Braves. McHugh getting what he got, you can react like that. McHugh should have been paid a lot higher, but the Olsen deal was actually a fair market deal, and I was genuinely surprised that the Braves said that. Well, my narrative's over your facts. Uh, the Braves suck. Matt Olsen yeah, should not over be facts, brave. baby. <laughs> no, you make, you make good points. I, I think it was just surprising that they would opt not to pay Freddie Freeman, and not that there isn't an argument to be made that you should go Olsen because he's younger and in some ways just as good as Freddie and you make the argument about first base. It's just surprising that they finally decide to pay market value for someone and it's not their guy. So that, that was just the big shock of it all, but it makes sense that they would do that because they gave up so much for him. So um, that, that was kind of obviously the big news coming out of our, uh, our division. What else? The Mariners reds trade. Mariners pick yeah. up Eugenio Suarez and Jesse Winker for a box of scraps. Trey, what were your thoughts on that deal? Because that, why were the Nats not involved? Well, um, I just feel bad for Reds fans because yeah, what are they, doing? they have a competitive group there that was, you know, only a couple pieces away and would have actually made the playoffs in the current format with 12 teams. Right. And they just got it because they don't want to pay anybody. And, uh, it's upsetting because the A's just did the same thing. That's kind of expected from them because they always do that. Uh, it still sucks, but um, it's disappointing. And if you're if you're a fan of the Reds or the A's, that 
this is kind of exactly the thing that the players were trying to stop from happening and it's still happening. And so yeah, it's right uh, away too. As for why the Nats weren't in on that, I didn't even, <laughs> I mean, I wasn't even thinking Winker as a possibility to be traded at any point this off season until yesterday. And when he got moved. So, I mean, I guess they should have been in on it, but I, I didn't think that he was going anywhere. Uh, yeah. It's just, it just sucks for the fans mostly. Yeah, there was that fact. It's not a stat, but that fact the Reds had two starting outfielders in last year's All Star game, and neither of them will return. Unreal. So it's just stupid. And one thing I still remember to this day, it was after the COVID year. Um, Ryan was doing his weekend review, and Ryan, you were like, "Oh, and the Reds are giving up on their going all in phase after their sixty game window, or something along the lines of that." It was it was like, a one year title contention. It makes yeah, no sense, and it was a sixty game season. <laughs> like that team was good. That team was built to to last. Sonny Gray was doing well on a cheap deal. You had Luis Castillo, you know, you had Castellanos, and Winker wasn't quite there yet, but you had some. Some hitters, Eugenio Suarez was doing well. It's like they needed to – I was going to bring up Trevor Bauer, but whatever. Um, but, like, you you had so many pieces. Wade Miley, like, I don't know. It just sucks, and that's a problem with baseball. Again, like you said, Trey, the A's is not all that surprising, and I hope we can, like, steal Matt Chapman for Carter Keeboom straight up. Honestly, but, um, I, I, I'm, I'm leaning more towards Matt Chapman – every second that things aren't happening <laughs> yeah i mean i mentioned this to matt wire before and obviously ryan i know you and i have talked about it i'm not saying like matt chapman's my number one target but like my number one uh like on my wish list but he probably is my number one target because his value's probably never been lower and A's don't want to pay anyone yeah and they're giving away players i right. mean for nothing right and you have the history there rizzo and Bean have done is Bean still there? I never know if Bean's still there. I feel like he's rumored to leave every every other year. I'm pretty sure he has part ownership now. Yeah, I, I don't know. But the Rizzo and the A's have done multiple trades throughout the year. So there is the rapport there that you could work out a deal. Um, and Seth Cummings reporting that they are interested in Frankie Montas. So you never know. They're, you know, could just throw in Matt Chapman as a you know sweetener in that deal um trying to think uh clayton kershaw back to the dodgers not to the rangers uh the blue jays are continue going all in they sign you see kikuchi if that's how you even say his name um trying to think any other big moves that i missed i did right now there's just a lot of rumors going on yeah a ton of rumors obviously you know as you things are held up free agency What's the the next domino? Freddie Freeman probably. Uh, Freeman is holding up the entire market right yeah. now. Yeah, <laughs> because if you look at the teams that are in on Freddie Freeman, they're also the teams that are connected to Kyle Schwarber, Chris Bryant, um, Nicholas Castellanos. Michael Conforto's market's dead quiet, but that will begin moving very soon. Yeah, he's All a one-year teams... deal candidate, anyways. Yeah, it's like it's the Dodgers, the entire um, NL East. I know the Phillies are doing their due diligence on some of those guys, but as soon as Freddie Freeman signs, we'll see Schwarber sign immediately. Chris Bryant will sign immediately. And then right after that, Cassianos and then Conforto will sign as well. So basically as soon as Freeman, you know, 
decides to sign, very obviously he's going to the Dodgers. Yeah, I was going to say, we think Dodgers, right? uh, Buster only said it's between the Dodgers and the Yankees. Um, I think how, excuse me, I think Steinbrenner is being a little bit of a cheapo right now, trying to play poor in a market where they clearly make a billion dollars a year. (laughs) And the Dodgers don't really care because if you go over the fourth, the fourth luxury tax, by the way, this is very funny. That's the Steve Cohen penalty. You only pay 1.25 mil in penalties. Like there's there's no like decentive for teams already over to stop spending, which I really like. So I think the Dodgers kind of saw that as well. And like, oh, okay, so it's less than what it was. Sweet, let's go get Freddie. Yeah, I'm pretty uh, sure that they were the they were also you know one of the only teams discussing a sixth year as well. The Dodgers or the Yankees? The Dodgers. Oh yeah, then that makes all the sense over the extra year. Well, yeah, the 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 Dodgers are historically aggressive. Like we have seen them time and time again do what it takes to get literally anyone their guy. Um, yeah, like they did it with Mookie, they did it with Max, they did it with Trey. You know, giving Mookie that big ass contract as well, they don't really care, and I, I respect them for it. Yeah, it's the way they do business, but it's also like you can't even compare them to the two thousand Yankees because they have so many homegrown guys and they they absolutely destroyed the trade market too the 2000s yankees were just signing every big name free agent and that's fine the dodgers do participate in that but the dodgers they're so well-rounded with how they acquire talents like you can't even be mad at that that's my favorite one yeah that's a very (laughs) good one because he started wire with a's or something yeah and he uh and with his development it's actually love their homegrown guys yeah so it's like the, the way the Dodgers developed him from from when they got him from Oakland, it's pretty impressive. So yeah, they they have skills on every front of the or at every part of their front office and and their their scouting and everything. Development capital of the world. Oh yeah. Um, the the last thing I want we could do a whole episode on free agency and rumors and stuff. We're not we we're ranking catchers today as we continue with ranking season. One thing I needed to talk about though, Chris Bryant cannot sign with the Rockies. Like that's, I would rather he, sign he's not. He's that not. is, that is the most I know, but like book Boris hate, move of all time. I hate that it's even happening. It's just, I just hate the idea of it. They're just being used to leverage and get more teams to come up. Like it's it's a very textbook Boris move. Why can't There's... the Nats be used though? I would love to be used <laughs> right now. Well, that might give like... you too much hope. <laughs> It's better than whatever I'm doing now. Oh, Nelson Cruz. We should probably talk about oh, yeah. that. Uh, and yeah, Nat signed Nelson Cruz, which is surprising because uh, Rizzo historically hasn't been the biggest fan of DH, but he was the really first NLGM to make a move at the new universal DH position and can't really do much worse or much better. Sorry, <laughs> much better than Nelson Cruz still great twins flipped him at the deadline and the prospect they got is now their number four in their farm system. So he sells plenty of value and there was a ton of teams vying for his services. So it's kind of surprising that Nats came out on top. Uh, Ryan, what were your thoughts on the signing? I, I like the move, you know, you need right-handed protection from Juan Soto in the lineup, plant this man batting fourth. And that's pretty good. He also brings a older age to the team and he will be a pretty good mentor for some of the young guys that they have on this team which is really good as well nelson cruz turns 42 this year he's starting to show some some um, 
signs of his age when you look at his advanced metrics, which is fine. He's 42 years old. Tom Brady did as well. He needs that TB12 method. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like if he hits, you know, 20 home runs by the all-star break, I'll be absolutely ecstatic. I say that because he's going to be traded at the trade deadline, but if he's on pace for hitting over 30 home runs by the time, if this team does sell at the deadline, then it's a win of a signing. Like if he's giving you consistent power and he's a threat behind Juan Soto, it'll help a lot. This team isn't going to win a lot of games, but it adds a very, 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 very needed right-handed pop to this lineup. That's kind of lacking pop, but the Nats do have a pretty exciting three, four, five, or two through four, whichever way they decide to go with it. Um, I mean, yeah, when you're rebuilding, there's not really any negatives yeah, when you when you sign a guy. Yeah, Trey, what are your thoughts? Uh, I love it because, like Ryan said, it's a perfect guy to flip at the deadline for prospects. And um, also the rumors have been flying around uh, that the reason why he signed with the Nats is because Rizzo has said that he wants to build a competitive team. Oh, Not right. sure how that's going to happen, uh, but it is interesting. Uh, so there's plenty uh, of guys I, still I, available if he yeah. wanted to do it. I mean, like, yeah, that the middle of our order is at least going to be entertaining to watch. Uh, if, if nothing else. So yeah, at uh, least we I have like a it. reason to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Oh, well, the last thing, cause I just remembered something as I was looking at our rankings, cause one of the guys, we're going to talk about later today or, you know, in this episode uh, was involved in a deal over the past week. Uh, so twins trade for um, Isaiah Kiner Falefa and someone else. Mitch Garver. Uh, well, Mitch Garver went, Mitch Garver to, went to, yeah, he went to the, but two people went to, anyways, it was effectively uh, IKR. No, IKF IKF for Mitch Garver. So Mitch Garver going from the twins to the Rangers, but then the twins turned around and traded IKR and Josh Donaldson to the Yankees for Gary Sanchez. And it was Gio Urshela, right? Yeah. So that was kind of a big trade. Um, It seems like the Yankees might be out on Correa. Maybe speaking, speaking of like teams, you don't know what you're doing. I don't know what the Yankees are. The Yankees. Well, yeah, that too. The twins twins trade for Sonny Sonny Gray too. There's another one. Yeah, the the twins are just shuffling around their core. They're buying essentially low on Gio Urshela. And um, I'm blanking on the second name. I do apologize. Gary Sanchez. Yeah, Gary Sanchez. Those guys do have high upside. They're not very good. But those are two guys that the twins are obviously looking at and thinking, all right, maybe we can turn these guys around. You know, new home. It could happen. The Yankees' entire lineup is just full of big right-handers who strike out a lot, get injured a lot, and hit home runs. I don't understand what they're doing. They very badly need left-handed bats. I feel like they should overpay on Freeman. The grand dream is still alive. Um, They have their backup just in case. I just don't think the Yankees are going to pay for Correa. Yeah, I don't think so. If they're crying broke on, you know, Freddie Freeman, who's arguably the arguably not saying he is but arguably the best free agent available then you know <laughs> you're kind of setting yourself up for failure there but yeah there's plenty of teams that don't know what the hell they're doing and it's kind of funny to watch uh, but i feel like the nats are kind of one of them because who knows but all right let's get into rankings 
we have 10 catchers we are going to talk about tonight. Maybe a couple honorable mentions. Uh, Trey has not seen our list beforehand, so it's a little bit different. He's truly going to live react tonight. But same way we always do it, Ryan and I put our get our lists together. So that way we have a composite rankings. We'll go th- through them 10 through 1, and Trey will live react and ask – or not ask – uh, say whether he agrees or disagrees with our rankings. But I will say, Ryan and I, probably the most um, different lists we've had thus far. Uh, we had four guys in each of our lists that weren't in the other lists. So four or five. Um, so that that led to some <laughs> close scores and whatnot. So there will be a few honorable mentions. But kicking off our list. At number 10 for us is Travis Darno, the Braves catcher. Speaking of you know, division rivals, World Series champion, Travis Darno last year in 2021, 0.2 war, seven home runs, 26 RBIs, obviously a down year. I believe he, yeah, he only played in 60 games last year. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt, but he's been solid pretty much ever since he got to Atlanta. Uh, and he was solid with our, um, Tampa the year before. So the past three or so years, he has been solid. He just obviously was hurt this past year, but while he was playing 220 batting average, 284 on base percentage, seven or 671 OPS, but again, injured down year. I did not have him ranked, but Ryan had him ranked eighth. Ryan, why do you like Travis Darno so much? Travis Darno is just a very solid catcher. Um, he's, he was hurt last year, only played 60 games. In his stats, kind of a down year. The thing with catchers is they are by far and away the worst offensive position players. Um, their OPS average last year was 697. The next closest OPS for position players was center field, and that was 721. Catchers aren't known for hitting. Catchers are known for their defense. It's also very interesting to figure out catcher's defense. I'll get into that more as we go through this list. But 2020... I don't really count it. He had a 919 OPS outlier 2021. He was hurt. He had a 671 OPS. He's in between that. His 2019 self is his true self. 2019, he hit 263, 323, 459. Those are well, well above league average across the board. He also had 16 home runs. If you have a catcher whose OPS is even above league average as a whole, not even just, you know, 100 points better than the position average hitting 15 plus home runs. That's a rarity for offense. Um, There are guys on this list who are better, which kind of, again, shows the, the rarity of that. And also he is just consistent defensively. He's not going to hurt you. He's going to call you a great game. He's also directly right at league average in his healthy years when it comes to framing. So to me, it was a no brainer put in my top 10. Yeah, that's fine. I think recency bias did get to me. And I mean, my number five on my list, you didn't have on your list. So I guess you could say five through 10 was really just a toss up. But I think recency bias did get to me with him being injured. I kind of just forgot about him a little bit. But I, I remember that 2020 season and take it for whatever you want. But he was very solid. Then Silver Slugger, again, small sample sample size, but Silver Slugger for catchers. And then 2019, like you mentioned, uh, with I believe he played on like three teams, but it was a majority with Tampa. Um, he, he was very, very solid. So no problems there with Travis Darno. Trey, did you have Travis Darno ranked? If not, why not? 
I did not. He was in my honorable mentions, but not in my top 10. The only thing, like everything Ryan said is, is true. And I think that his 2019 self is his true self. My only problem is he had a thumb ligament injury last year in his catching hand. And uh, that's, that's going to be maybe a tough recovery for defensive, a really good defensive catcher. That was really the reason I left him off. Um, but if he can recover from that nicely and post a num- post a number closer to you know 2019 batting wise, his defense has always been really good. His framing's always been really good. So uh, it's just going to depend on how that injury impacts his defense for me. Uh, but yeah, he would he would still be an honorable mention. He's right outside my top ten. Yeah, I I mean he's an honorable mention for me. So we'll see how or if or when he recovers from that thumb injury, you make, you make a great point there. And obviously kind of important when you're playing catcher number nine, we have not for the second week in a row, but two of the last three weeks in a row, we have a birthday during these rankings. Cause number nine, on our list is max Stassi catcher for the angels, Stacy Stassi. I don't know, but today is his birthday. So happy birthday to max last year was a, a pretty solid year for max 1.8 war, 13 home runs, 35 RBIs. Uh, 326 on base, 426 slugging for a 752 OPS. Again, very solid. Uh, Ryan had him ranked seventh. I did not have him ranked, but he was like so many uh, of these guys you're going to hear from uh, on our honorable mentions or specifically on my honorable mentions. For me, Ryan, I'll hand it over to you in a second. The sample size just wasn't big enough. I, I, I like him. I don't, I believe the Angels re signed Kurt Suzuki. So I, he'll probably be stuck in a platoon again, and not that he won't be top 10, but he hasn't played more than 88 games in his career, and he's only played above 51 games twice in his now nine-year career. So it's just like I have a hard time saying definitively he's top 10, but when he does play, he has been good. His career OPS is 691. As Ryan mentioned, that's about you know where catchers lie. Uh, for OPS, but in his past two years, 886 in 2020 in 31 games and 752 last year in 87 games, very solid, well above average for, especially for catchers. So no problem with him being in the top 10. Ryan, you had him all the way at seven. Why is that? I'm glad you mentioned the platoons because platoons at catcher are very, very common. A lot of teams are going with a two man approach. It's kind of like with running backs and football. Mm-hmm. Teams have two running backs that they constantly rotate. It's almost rare where you have just the one. It's the teams have the elite ones. They're running one. If you don't have the elite ones, you're mixing guys in. He is the defensive guy in Anaheim. He does put up good offensive numbers when he's out there. 13 home runs in 87 games. It's very impressive. But the reason why I love him so much is because I've said before, catcher is one of the positions you happily, happily trade away offense for defense. He is sixth in baseball when it comes to framing. He had the sixth most runs saved because of framing. Do you look at his advanced metrics? Catcher defensive metrics. I mean, sorry, excuse me. Catcher defensive adjustment is basically catcher war that baseball prospectus came up with. He was second in all of baseball for that. When you look at fielding runs above average, that takes all defensive metrics into account. That's pop time. Um, 
I'm blank on. Sorry. That's pop time, cut stealing percentage, framing, basically everything that matters with catchers. His is second in baseball as well. Yes, he is platoon, but he is a very, very good defensive catcher, which is why I had him at seven. Yeah, no problems there. I think for me personally, if he just played a little bit more and he was definitely that number one guy, at least for the Angels, platoon, fine. But if he was at least that number one guy, then I'm feeling a little bit better again for a top 10. But I don't think there's any reason he wouldn't be this year. I don't think the Angels are going to rely on a 42-year-old Kurt Suzuki to be their primary guy. So maybe this is the year he finally gets a shot and he cracks his way into my top 10. But for right now, he definitely is in our top 10 at number nine. Trey, did Max Stassi, Stacy? I don't know, did he crack your top 10? Max Stassi was my number 10 choice, and I'm kind of in the middle of where you guys stand. I look at his defensive ability and I see, you know, perhaps the best. I mean, that's how good he is, especially framing wise. Uh, he's extremely good. Uh, his, he was actually, uh, at least from what I'm seeing on fan graphs, first among catchers in strike zone run saved. Um, but yeah, it's the same, same thing that you're saying, Nick. He just doesn't he hasn't quite played enough games for me. I know catchers generally don't play as many mm. anyways, but either way, he's still below um, most other guys. Um, but yeah, the defensive skills there, he's got some pop too. So I'm hoping that he'll be able to, I think he could play over a hundred games. He's better than Suzuki is uh, at uh, honestly at the plate as well. Now I would say, so yeah. I'm hoping to see him play over a hundred games at catcher. That would be amazing. Yep. Uh, because then you're really going to see his true potential. Yeah. That's kind of the arbitrary magic number I came up with as well. It was like, if he plays a hundred games, I, I, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Like that's where I want him to be. And I think he probably will. Like you said, I don't imagine Kurt Suzuki is going to fight his way to, you know, a 50, 50 timeshare or anything like that. So we'll, we'll definitely see um, what the 2022 season holds with, I was going to say a brand new pitching staff, but it's really just Noah Syndergaard. Um, all right, moving on. Number eight in our rankings is a guy that had high hopes um, or the uh, team drafting him had high hopes because he was drafted very, very high. He was third overall in the first round. Uh, that is Mike Zunino. Didn't really put it together with Seattle. Had some okay seasons, but last year he was an all-star for the Tampa Bay Rays. He was 20th in MVP voting, if you want to go down that far. Uh, his splits, 33 home runs, or, well, that's not a split, but 33 home runs, 216 batting average, 301 on base percentage, but a 559 slugging, which is really what saves him for an 860 OPS. I like him a lot just because, as Ryan mentioned, catcher notoriously a position you don't get offensive production from, but we've talked about it so many times through these rankings. You will trade, you'll make that trade. Not all the time, but sometimes. It's good to have a defensive-minded catcher, certainly. But if you have a catcher that can provide 33 home runs, that's that's no small potatoes. Like that, That's pretty good. So I had him uh, all the way up at six. Ryan did not have him ranked, uh, which I can't entirely blame him. His on-base percentage is not all that great, especially for his career, 274 career on-base percentage. It's similar to that, Trey, your favorite guy, Adam Dunn territory, where it's lots of strikeouts but lots of home runs. So – Boom bust potential. Um, 
defense, you know, there's a little to be (laughs) desired there as well. But again, for me personally, when you get 33 home runs in 190, 109 games, that's, that's really good. And that's a, a force to have in your lineup as well. A serviceable catcher who can provide a lot offensively platoon him with a defensive guy. I think that's incredibly valuable. Ryan, what are your thoughts on Mike Zanino? Yeah, he is a rare breed from the power aspect. We look at the catchers slugging. The average slugging last year was 391. He had a slugging of 559. Also, it's incredibly impressive. He had 860 OPS because his on-base percentage was only 301. On-base is direct correlation between (laughs) OPS. Those two go hand in hand. The fact they had 860 was very, very impressive. 33 home runs as well. He had a power resurgence. I love anyone who hit home runs. Very happy about that. But his defensive metrics are kind of icky across the board. He's league yeah. average or just below league average. Impressed by the power. Absolutely incredibly is a 559 slugging. That's incredibly rare for a catcher. But I have him at 11. Just couldn't get him in there with the lacking of defensive metrics yeah it's a little bit of pick your poison it's like it's either you have to overlook the offensive stuff for some of these catchers or you have to look over the defensive stuff and this is my uh i'm gonna pretend the defensive stuff doesn't exist and pretend like catcher is not a premium position even though it probably is the most premium position in baseball (laughs) trey did mike zanino crack your top 10 oh yeah mikey z is number five and I don't know what y'all are talking about with the defense. Say, say metrics. that again. You you cut out. Oh, he's number five. Okay. And I, I I mean defensively, all of his stats are pretty solid. I mean I don't I don't really see he's got fifty three defensive be... runs saved in his career. His framing metrics are pretty solid. I just, I I don't know I don't know I didn't I don't I don't see that. That's why I put him at five is because I see that the defense is solid, but the bat obviously is the main thing. Uh, he slugged over 550 for a catcher. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, and he his his uh his walk rate was almost uh, 10%. So I'll take that. I, even though he doesn't technically get on base that often, you know, compared to his average, at least there's a gap there. Um, but yeah, I've I've actually been a big fan of Mike Zanino for a long time, just because he's just one of those outlier stack guys. He doesn't hit for any average, and yet he can just hit moonshots. I mean, he hits long home runs. So uh, he's one of my favorite players to watch from pure entertainment value. And uh, I'm glad he had a great season last year. And uh, I think the, I think the Rays, Rays uh, have unlocked something with him to potentially make that power stay and stay consistent, uh, at least from, from my view. Yeah, I don't know what the Rays do. They definitely cheat. But, like, I don't know <laughs> specifically what they do, but it, it works and – like both of you said, uh, he's found quite the resurgence there in Tampa and seems like he will be in for success this upcoming season as well. Moving on to number seven in our rankings. Probably the most underrated catcher in baseball. I don't think that's too much of a stretch. If it is, oh, well, uh, it's a hot take then. Uh, coming in at number seven for us is Jacob Stallings. Uh, last year, 3.0 war, eight home runs, 53 RBIs, 246 batting average, 335 on base, 369 slugging for a 704 OPS. Uh, again, very underrated. He just got he got traded to the Marlins, right? I'm not making that up. Uh, yes, he did. Yeah, that felt like forever ago. Uh, 
with the Pirates, so that's probably why you never heard of him. And a little bit of a late bloomer, I guess, because he's entering his age 32 season. But he's been very solid his entire time, minus the 2018 season. Not a ton of sample size, but last year, 112 games, and he put up the stats that I just mentioned. Gold Glove Award winner as well for as much stock as you want to put into the Gold Glove. I had him seventh. Ryan had him ninth. Um, I think there's a lot to like about him, man. I I just mentioned, you know, I think he's probably the most underrated catcher in baseball, and I think hopefully (laughs) he doesn't turn into another like James McCann where, oh, most underrated catcher in baseball, and then he gets his shot and really stinks. I'm hoping that doesn't happen to Jacob Stallings, but I, I think the Marlins knew what they were doing in acquiring him because I think there, there's more than meets the eye there. And I think he will play, I don't know exactly what they gave up for him, but I think he will play above that deal and really solidify himself as a very, very solid catcher. Ryan, what are your thoughts on Jacob Stallings? He is a very, very solid catcher. League average on base percentage for catchers is 305. Lowest amongst opposition players. Batting average is just around 215. He's above average in both. Um, he has very good potential. I do like what I see out of him. Three war for catcher, seven to four OPS. I like it. We look at some of his advanced metrics. He's top 10 in fielding runs above average. He's right around league average and catcher defensive adjustment. Some more positives for him. He lowered his K percentage last season by 8%. His walk percentage was up slightly, just 1%. His chase rate was down as well. So he's walking more, striking out a little bit, striking out less, walking a little bit less, and he's chasing less as well. Um, You know, the Marlins kind of have a good track record developing catchers. So maybe they'll be able to go there and help get his offense to the next level. But all in all, he's a pretty well-rounded catcher. I agree. Trey, I assume he cracked your top 10 as well. Yes, I love Jacob Stallings, and he was my number six choice. Um, There's defense, and then there's Jacob Stallings, in my opinion. Uh, So, you know, defensive run saved isn't everything. But he basically doubled everybody else in the field except for Austin Hedges in terms of catchers. Uh, So that's pretty ridiculous. Uh, And his uh, framing has really improved. There's actually a great video on YouTube where he talks about, about it. Yeah I, yeah, I I use some of it for, for a video, but it's just it, the insight you get from that is just great. But uh, yeah, and if you can't hit, get on base. And that's what Jacob Stallings does because he's he doesn't have any power. Uh, he slugged less than 400 last season. I believe that's I believe his career average is actually less than 400 slugging percentage. But um, he gets on base at a great clip for a catcher and. Uh, he can also hit clutch clutch home runs uh, off of Edwin Diaz. So that's good <laughs> for the NL East now that he's a Marlin. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm a huge, I'm a huge Stallings fan uh, just because I think his defense is at an elite level in terms of catchers top three, perhaps in terms of defense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think that's too much of a stretch to say. So it'll be interesting to see if Miami can unlock a next level for Jacob Stallings and if he does take his game to the next level Uh, because he's very solid and respectable offensively. But I don't know how you get even better defensively than he already is, but we'll see. All right, moving on to number six in our rankings is a guy I had ranked fifth and Ryan did not have ranked in his top ten. I was uh, you know, very curious to hear why. 
because it's one of the more recognizable names, especially for catchers in baseball. And that is Wilson Contreras. Again, I had him five. Ryan did not have him ranked. He comes in at six on our rankings. Uh, I've always liked Wilson Contreras. Uh, I don't think he's ever been like the best catcher in baseball, but he's one of the most well-rounded, especially offensively. I, I talked about with Mike Zanino, I, I put stock into the, the trade-off, right? If you can get significant production by catching standards from that position, uh, you're, you're doing pretty well. His 2021 season, 4.1 war, 21 home runs, 237 average, 340 on base, 438 slugging for a 778 OPS, 57 RBIs as well. He was like basically the only guy the Cubs didn't trade away in that fire sale. Um, but he's been very solid and I have to imagine he would have pretty good value, but maybe they just wanted to keep him if they are trying to retool really quickly. They already signed Marcus Stroman, the stuff, Kyle Hendricks and, and whatnot, but he's been very solid basically his entire career. If you're looking at his career numbers, 259, 349, 458 for an 807 OPS, like that's very, very good for a catcher. Um, so I, I like him a lot, Ryan, you didn't have him ranked. Why is that? Yeah. So I don't know. Just like when you look at Wilson Contreras, the offensive numbers, they're well above league average. He's up and down with his on base and slugging. That's fine. His defense sucks. And I am kind of taking more of a defensive minded approach to this position because to me, defense is what truly matters. For catchers, unless you're one of the true elite catchers, I don't care about your defense. I don't think he is. He is not a very good framer. Um, He ranked 39th in pitch framing last year, according to baseball seventh. He's not in the top 30 when it comes to catcher defensive adjustment and fielding runs above average. Both of those are extremely sabermetric stats. People don't care about them. I like using sabermetric stats when it comes to defensive catchers because it's so hard to put a value on it just because how they play their position with his defense being that bad. I couldn't justify putting him in there and I like stay consistent. And I've been taking more of a defense approach with my list up until this point. Fair enough. Don't agree, but Hey, that's why we're doing these rankings. Trey, what do you think about Wilson Contreras? Uh, I am with Ryan. Uh, he did oh, not make my top 10. Damn. Yeah, it's, it's the defense, that. man. It's just not there. He doesn't hit well enough to be a bad defensive catcher, uh, in my opinion. You know, you could, I think the high end of his defense argument, you could say he's maybe okay, but he just doesn't have the same, the same skill. And it, 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 the hitting, if he's going to hit how he hit in 2019, he's in the top 10. Uh, but that's his peak. And I don't really think he's going to get back to that. Uh, personally so yeah it's just he's not he just doesn't excel at either side of the ball and that's kind of why I left him off well that's disappointing oh well all right moving on to number five in our rankings another big power bat potential kind of guy for catcher and the guy we mentioned earlier that was just involved in a trade that is Mitch Garver now of the Texas Rangers as that team tries to really retool and rebuild and uh, have some reason to have some excitement. <laughs> um, but obviously, Corey Seager, Marcus Semien, and now Mitch Garver added to that team. Last year, 2.1 more, 13 home runs, 34 RBIs, 
256 batting average, 350 on base, 517 slugging for 875 OPS, which is really solid by any standards, but exceptional by catching standards. Um, I don't have anything bad to say about him. He's entering his age 32 season. So yeah, it's a little bit older, but I still think he's incredibly solid. 2020 hit, he had a bad year, but as we like to say, 2020 is just such a, a random year. If you take that year out, his last three years, he's been very, very good. Uh, almost to the point where it was kind of surprising that the, um, almost said the Nats, the twins would trade him, but Hey, I, if they're trying to shuffle their team, it's well within their right. But I thought he was very solid in 2019. He almost had a, a thousand OPS. He had a 995 OPS. So it's like, it, this isn't kind of just a flash in the pan. He might not be a 995 OPS kind of guy, but his career uh, OPS is 835. And that's probably a, about right. I think you know, that's who he is. And obviously that's very, very good by catching standards. I had him number eight so a little bit lower but ryan had him number four ryan why do you like mitch garver so much i really like mitch garver i think he's a very solid catcher um 68 games played in 2021 but when he was out there he was damn good 875 ops for a catcher is fantastic league average League average for everyone last year was 728. So he's by far and away above that for a position that it doesn't really exist. He's not the 995 OPS guy we saw in 2019, but he's shown he's going to consistently hang around at that time. When you also look at some of his advanced metrics offensively, I like them as well. He lowered his K percentage by 17%. His walk rate was up 5%. His chase rate was down. His contact rate was up which are all very good. Then you look at him defensively, he's pretty solid there as well. He's 12th in framing. He's also just above league average and catching catcher defensive adjustment and fielding runs above average. Put it all together and he's top top five for me. Yeah, I, I think that's perfectly fine. Uh, I completely spaced on what I was going to say, but hey, whatever. Um, Trey, what are your thoughts on Mitch Garver? Uh, I need 120 games for Mitch Garver, please, because if this guy could stay on the field, uh, he would be in my top five as well. I put him at eight, but this dude just rakes. And I just really want to see him stay healthy because I think that he could be a phenomenal piece for that Rangers team. Um, yeah, that 2019, he slugged 630 in 93 games. That's uh, stupid. <laughs> so uh, anyone who can even get to that, Point at any time in their career that's pretty impressive uh but i think his 21 stats are more where he's at like it was only 68 games but i feel like 256 358 517 is probably what you're looking for and for a catcher that is damn good and uh i'm a big fan of mitch garver i just hope he can stay healthy yeah because that's you know kind of a big thing <laughs> when you're uh, uh trying to be one of the best at your position. And I think like you said, Trey, if he does play that much and obviously there is potential for platoon, even though he probably is a number one guy. So 120 games would be excellent, but we'll see if he can finally do it in a new home. Uh, All right. Moving on to our top four. Number four is a guy that maybe prior to last season, certainly prior to 2020, people probably had him as the best catcher in baseball. Now 
he comes in at number four on our rankings. And that is JT Real Muto. I had him number four. Ryan had him number three. Last year, 3.5 or 70 home runs, 73 RBIs, 263 average, 343 on base, 4 to 39, slugging for 782 OPS. Still solid numbers, maybe a tick down from the past, you know, four or five seasons that we've seen from him, but still very solid. I don't know what it, I can't put my finger on it. I think it's just, I am kind of riding the hype with my top three and I have higher hopes for them. Whereas JT Romuto, I feel like he's kind of just, I don't know, maybe it's the Philly effect. Maybe it's just getting to him. I don't know. But Ryan, what are your thoughts on JT Romuto? JT Romuto is probably the most polarizing guy on this yes. list. Um, it's really interesting. He left Miami and his offense kind of went down in Philly, which isn't really heard of. He is a disaster with runners in scoring position. That is where a lot of the negative energy comes around him. He did have a career high home runs in 2019 with 25 career high RBIs in 2019 as well. His numbers kind of came back down to his league average in 2021. His numbers slash line as a whole were below his league, his career average. So very polarizing on him. But when it comes to defensive catchers, JT Ramuto for a long time, he's kind of, he's the standard of it. And he is the guy. If you think your kid has a great pop time as a catcher and is going to go places, Look at JT Realmuto's pop time, and you will realize your kid's not going anywhere. That man is quick hands. Um, he leagues, he leads the league in both catcher defense, defensive adjustment, and fielding runs above average. And it's not really close in either of those categories for him defensively. Look at his framing; he's just eleventh, which I say just eleventh. That's terrible for him, but he's a great defensive catcher, and he's going to call a great game. His Offense with runners in scoring position, absolutely atrocious. He gets that back up. He can help the narrative around him, which is really funny just because, like, he's still good. He's just not viewed as he was. But JT Ramuto, all in all, a very, very solid catcher. Agreed. He probably could be, probably could be, uh, number one heading into 2023 should he have a less polarizing 2022 season because he's only entering his age 31 season, so in theory, he's still in his prime and that Phillies lineup, you have Bryce Harper, you have some other pieces. So he's in a position to do well. It's just a matter of, will he actually do it and be less, a little less polarizing Trey, where did JT real Muto fall for you? Uh, I had JT sitting at number three on my list and uh, he's just a phenomenal defensive catcher and an above average hitter. And I think that's worthy of being number three. The thing with JT real Muto is I feel like everyone's just been waiting for the, the huge hitting season and it just hasn't quite happened yet. Uh, but I, it's just, I feel like it's there somewhere and he could totally have just an explosive offensive season and be catapulted straight up to number one. Um, the potential is there. He's also the best pure athlete in terms of a catcher. Uh, I, in my opinion, um, I mean, he, he could probably Stolen play bases too. Yeah. 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 13 steals, which is funny. Uh, he could probably play some other positions uh, later in his career if he if he stops wanting to catch just based on his athleticism alone. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, if if his 2021 season is what he's going to be for the rest of his career, he's still an elite catcher. But I I still think he could even he could have that offensive explosion year where mm-hmm. uh, he especially in Philly, like like Ryan said, it is kind of weird that his offense has gone 
uh, down since leaving Miami. So that's that's just kind of a glitch in the matrix. But uh, hopefully he can uh, f- uh, figure it out more uh, from a power perspective at the plate because he's got the, the raw power. It just didn't quite show through last year in his slugging percentage. But, uh, yes, still a top three catcher for me. Yep. Yep. Uh, I think I you, you said it, and I think I agree. Like, I'm waiting for that one explosive year, like that 30 home runs, 100 RBIs years. So that, in my mind, I thought he already had not like before I lo- obviously looked at the numbers and I think that's why I had him a tick lower, but he could, he could have it. I don't know that he will, but he could it's well within his uh, range of outcomes. All right, moving on to our top three. Number three on our rankings is Salvador Perez. Obviously a <laughs> kind of a massive offensive explosion last year from him. Uh, where did, I was going to say home run derby, no, because he wasn't the runner-up. I don't remember. But last year, all-star, silver slugger, seventh in MVP voting, 48 home runs, 121 RBIs, and a 273 batting average. So if you put stock in the batting average, it's obviously very good. 316 on-base percentage, which is a little low. 544 slugging for 859 OPS. I had him number one on my rankings, specifically because you know Ryan talked about how he's been approaching it defensive minded and I respect that approach because I do think, you know, if you want to have a defensive minded guy on, on your roster, probably should be catcher. That being said, Trey, to a point you made earlier about Wilson Contreras about his offense, not being good enough for him to suck. Salvador Perez's offense is good enough, you know, no matter where he is like that is stupid. And maybe it was just kind of like a, a flash in the pan because that's way higher than anything else he's done in his career and on one of the worst Royal teams that he's played in his career. Cause obviously he was a part of the world series runner up and then the world series winning team back in the mid 2010s as well. And he was still a respectable, like 21 and 70, 22, 64, 17 and 70, like for his home runs and RBI. So still very respectable, but certainly nothing to the level of what we saw in 2021. I don't know if it is just that one outlier year, the stats and numbers tell you it is, but for right now, that production and so much higher than everyone else's, that's why I put him number one, but I, I don't, I know he's not Ryan's try. I imagine he's probably not your number one either, but Ryan, you still had him number five, which is obviously still very respectable for him. What do you like? And what do you not like about Salvador Perez? So I lied. I said Ruimuto was the most polarizing person on this list. It's <laughs> it's him. Yeah, um, no, I think that's fine. <laughs> he's the, he's the most polarizing player in all of baseball. Stat nerds like myself, I consider myself a stat nerd. Stat nerds absolutely hate him. People who just go ball go burr love him. His season <laughs> truly doesn't make sense when you look at it as a whole. 48 home runs, 121 RBIs. You cannot argue that. Both those are absolutely ridiculous. You know, he's always been a good hitter. 270 career average, hit 273 this year. Slugging, 544, great as well. 859 OPS, fantastic. But like, when when you look at his advanced stats, it just doesn't make sense. All of his expected stats, well down. His width percentage, up 7%. His swinging outside of the zone, up. His contact percent down, his solid contact percent 
down. His sweet spot percent was down 8%. It doesn't really make sense. He's also, he's a pretty bad defensive catcher, um, at least last season as well. But when you hit 48 home runs, (laughs) you're going to be in my list. He gets a little bit of a downgrade just because he's not in any of the uh, defensive lists I'm looking at. I'm currently looking at the framing on Baseball Savant. I am just scrolling down, scrolling down, scrolling down. I stopped at 40. I may have missed some. I don't know. But he's not the best defensively. But like I said, you hit 48 home runs despite what the advanced metrics say you should hit. You're going to be in the list. But Ryan, it doesn't matter because ball go burr. Ball go burr. Like, like dude, well, what are we doing here? Ball go burr. Ball go burr. <laughs> Trey, where did uh, Salvador Perez wind up for you? Uh, I had Salvi at number four. And yeah, it's pretty much, it, not, none of his numbers make sense. But uh, the, one <laughs> I that agree. I, the one that I see is 48 home runs for a catcher. And it's just, you can't ignore that, even if all the other numbers are weird. Uh, he set the record. So pretty much all you need to know about that and he's has five gold gloves guys he's clearly a great defensive catcher what do you mean <laughs> uh yeah no last year was definitely his worst year by far defensively it's, i don't think anyone would argue that but uh I guess yeah he just focused all of his energy on offense i you know it's kind of, that kind of makes sense honestly um but yeah no he was a he was a, a fantastic player last year when you have a catcher who can also be your dh I feel like that also adds even more value because a lot of guys can't do that. So uh, he DH'd, I think, 30, 30 or so games last year. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I'm not sure what to expect from him next season at all. It's going to be a total roller coaster. But uh, if, he, if this is the hitter he's going to be now, then uh, I think that's awesome because it's very funny just statistically uh, just to see how well he's doing despite all the advanced numbers not supporting it. So I kind of hope he can do this again. It makes no sense. (laughs) Like it truly just makes no sense, but it's fun. So it's like, this is one ranking where I don't mind just defaulting to Balgo Burr. I think that's, (laughs) I'm fine. I I can live with that. I can live with myself with that. Phenomenal meme. (laughs) Uh, Number two on our list is probably the future of this position. Uh, He's, one of two guys on our composite top 10 that's below 30 and he's entering his age 26 or so excuse me age 27 season that is will smith of the dodgers last year 3.5 war 25 home runs 76 rbis 258 batting average 365 on base 495 slugging for an 860 ops great numbers across the board extremely well-rounded uh, I feel like he's been in the league forever. It's just because I remember him from the 2019 uh, season and specifically the NLDS versus the Nats and how he almost hit a walk-off and what's-his-face jumped over the fence thinking it was gone. Uh, one of the elite moments from that title run for the Nats. Um, but he is still young, especially you know in terms of, of catching. But I think he hasn't hit, hit even though he's going into his – age uh 27 season sounds old you know he should have really uh like had that true breakout season but he's just been very very solid ever since i say true breakout season he's been very very good but you would think that you would have those eye-popping numbers but he's been very very good 
And I think he is the future of the position, um, just age and talent. I, I think there's an argument for him to be number one. But right now he comes in at number two. I had him number two. Ryan had him number two. Ryan, what do you like about Will Smith? Yeah, give it a couple of years and he's going to be the consensus best catcher in baseball. He's with the right team. The uh, Dodgers just produce talent. Catcher's peaks are very different. Um, he hasn't hit his just yet, but I really like Will Smith. Of course, his my baseball reference isn't loading right now, but when you look at his numbers, um, he's 12th in frame. Oh, sorry, 16th in framing. Not the best. But, you know, I like my advanced metrics. He's top 10 in both catcher defensive adjustment and fielding runs above average. So he is a solid defender. You also look at him offensively and he's 26. And in all three of his seasons, this is the worst season of his career. He had 860 OPS. Um, He has a career 892 OPS as a catcher. He's a career 365 on base guy. You know, I love my on base merchants. When you're doing that as a catcher, you're a very rare talent. And Will Smith is one of those rare talents as well. He is only going to get better. Some of his advanced metrics were down this year, which signals that he regressed, which his numbers did. They should pop back up next year and he will continue to improve. And he's going to be really, really fun to watch. Well, he's now K. Bear Ruiz. <laughs> um, Trey, where did Will Smith wind up for you? Uh, I had Will Smith at number one. Uh, I just think he's such a well-rounded player from catcher, the catcher position. Uh, his defense improved uh, significantly last year uh, compared to, especially his rookie year, he was not good. But uh, that was the reason I put him at number one is because he's continuing to get better. And like you said, he's only 26. So he probably hasn't even had his best seasons yet. And I think they're coming in the next couple seasons, which is why I put him at number one. I mean, I just, nobody hits like he does as a catcher. I mean, he hits, he's such a well-rounded hitter in terms of on base, in terms of power, in terms of contact, then you just don't see that. And I, I just, that part of his game to me, it's just screams huge seasons coming up. Yeah, I, I would agree. And that's, you know, what I'm kind of expecting from him. And then I will definitely put him number one. Cause like I said, I think he's the future of the position. It's just that, you know, that one season where he really just puts it all together, kind of like what I'm feeling with JT real Muto. And it's just, uh, you know, a feel thing, I guess. And that's, you know, it sounds stupid when we're doing rankings and, you know, we're talking about all these defensive metrics. I, I just want him to take that next step because I think he's going to be very exciting to watch. Um, Obviously not the Dodgers fan, but still can appreciate good ball when I see it. Number one on our list is obviously Yasmani Grandal. Ryan had him number one. I had him number three, but it's a very close three for me. I you know, could really shuffle him around any which way. Last year, only 93 games, which is definitely down from his standards. Because if you look from 2014 to 2019, uh, he played it in at least 115 games in all five of those years, all six of those years, excuse me. Um, so definitely down, he's getting a little bit older. So that's where a little bit of my concern came in just a little bit, because if you look at what we actually saw when he was on the field, phenomenal, 23 home runs in 93 games, uh, 62 RBIs, 420 on base percentage, 520 slugging for a 939 OPS. Like he, he is very damn good. Even still, it's just a matter of, for me, 
are we going to see him bounce back in terms of availability or is he going to start getting banged up as he gets a little bit older? I hope it's the former and not the latter uh, because he's very good. And he was that he was a perfect signing for that White Sox team, a young pitching staff. Uh, They got a couple of vets since then, but he he was a perfect signing for that young team and just that veterans presence. Uh, it, It was awesome. He was the one who hit the uh, home run off Max in the wild card game, right? He was one of them, yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> one of them. <laughs> Eric Thames, um, Nats legend. But yeah, I, I remember that moment that his 2019 year, his one year with Milwaukee was great, all star MVP 15, and then got paid from by Chicago the year after. Very, very solid. No problem with him being number one. But Ryan, why was he your number one? So. I look at his numbers. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking around at his numbers. I see a 939 OPS. That's fantastic. I see 87 walks to 82 strikeouts. That's fantastic. But I am nothing but consistent. He has a, four, he has a 420 on base percentage. You know I love my on base. I rest my case with that. That is the only reason why I put him number one is because of his on base percentage. I am consistent on base percentage is the most important stat in my opinion. And I love my on base merchants. And he was one last year and he was a catcher with a 420 on base percentage. That's historically good. Will he do it again? You bet your ass. He will not, but <laughs> does not matter. I am committed to my on base bit. And just for that reason alone, he was my number one catcher. But even in 2019, he got on base at a 380 clip. So it's like, yes, 420 is significantly makes higher. It, than makes that. you think. But like, you know, you average this two season, it's it's still 400. And tw- the awkward, weird 2020 season still 351, which is more than respectable, especially for a catcher. So maybe he's just like developed his game into an on-base merchant, like you said. I, I think you know, these high level athletes and specifically catchers, how smart they have to be just to play the position. They can do something like that and evolve their game to be, you know, something different than perhaps they were before. And I think it's safe to say that Yasmani Grandal falls in that category. Trey, where was Yasmani Grandal for you? I had him at number two, just behind Will Smith and his uh, slash line from last season is just absurd. I look at it when I, when I want to laugh because it's so funny. (laughs) Uh, the 240 average for with a 420 on base is just great. I, I believe he was third in walk rate behind Soto and Harper, if I'm not mistaken, uh, which is insane. He, it was 23% walk rate, which is just, that's just lovely. Uh, and he was a great defensive catcher for a long time. I would assume that's going to start uh, going down more as he ages, mm-hmm. but his hitting is so good that he's another guy who can take some DH starts as a catcher, I think. So that gives him a little bit of extra value as well. Uh, I just think Will Smith is going to get to this point soon. Like, like Grandall's as good as Grandall is soon. So that's why I just decided to pick the younger player there. But you, I mean, obviously Grandall could be number one easily. It was, it was a toss up for me. Uh, I just went with the younger player, but Hopefully he can uh, stay on the field for, you know, more than a hundred games. He, he was injured from uh, the beginning of the season and uh, but yeah, he was a great pickup for Chicago uh, and he's going to be, I think he's a big deal as to why that pitching staff was so good as well. Yep. Um, 
That's another reason I love Jacob Stallings is I think he's going to be with that Miami staff. staff, I really think that's going to unlock something there. So, Uh, but yeah, Grandall is amazing. Yep. Definitely agree there. So that's our top 10, just going through them again. Number one through 10, Yasmina Grandall, Will Smith, Salvador Perez, JT Romuto, Mitch Garver, Wilson Contreras, Jacob Stallings, Mike Zanino, Max Stassi, and Travis Darno. A couple of honorable mentions, and we have a few of them, so I'll just rattle them off. And if you guys want to chime in on any one player, feel free to do so. Uh, um, Omar Navarvaez, I believe is how you say his name. Uh, He was one. Danny Jansen of the Blue Jays was another. I threw a vote to Yadier Molina just out of respect, a four-time Platinum Glove Award winner. Yes, he's older. He's going into his age like 40 season, um, which is absurd for, for a catcher, but he, he's still is very solid. Um, and Sean Murphy was my last one. Uh, Trey, did you have any honorable mentions outside of that list or any one of those guys you wanted to talk about? Well, I actually had two guys on my list that we didn't mention. Uh, well, you just mentioned Sean Murphy. I had him in, had him at number seven. I had uh, and I had, I had a, uh, Tyler Stevenson as well. I had him at number nine. Mm. Uh, I, my other honorable mentions included Contreras and Narvaez. Omar Narvaez is the prime reason why all-star games don't necessarily matter when you're looking at a player because he was an all-star and uh, he had one of the worst second halves. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it was like he had like a 55 WRC plus in the second half. It was bad. Uh yeah, and so, well, the reason I, I like Sean Murphy a lot, his defense is obviously elite, and he actually kind of got a little bit unlucky in terms of batting. His ex-WOBA was about 40 points higher than his actual WOBA. And Tyler Stevenson, I think, has a lot of potential to be the next Will Smith archetype, maybe not to that level, but he's another young guy, and he's got power potential as well, uh, hitting-wise, and then we'll just have to see how the defense progresses. But I really, I really like him for the Reds. Uh, as their as their full time starter now that they got rid of uh, Barnhart, uh, and I, mean, I also had I wanted, to, uh, yeah, true. I also wanted to mention the Arizona duo, Dalton Varsho yep. and Carson Kelly. Yep, I want to see them stay healthy together because I feel like there's a lot of potential there. Also, Varsho can play like any position, which is very weird considering he's also a catcher. It's like That's, uh, IKR too. Yeah, yeah, it's very, very fun uh, in terms of that that pairing there. So I kind of, I kind of can see them potentially being a solid duo in Arizona going forward. Obviously, we're going to be looking at them, you know, individually because the Diamondbacks aren't going to do anything. But yeah, those were all my guys. Yeah, Ryan, you had uh, Narvaez six. Uh, was did you want to talk about him or anyone else? You know, I would, but um, I closed all my stat pages. <laughs> So I got nothing in front of me right now. So that kind of answers my question. (laughs) For context, (laughs) uh, last year, Trey mentioned his horrible second half, but when you put it all together, it's still a respectable year. 11 home runs, 49 RBIs, uh, 266 average, 342 on base, 402 slugging for a 743 OPS. Another one of those underrated catchers. Bounced around a little bit. He uh, Milwaukee traded for him after the 2019 season. And didn't do great, at least offensively, in 2020, but surely bounced back in 2021, like Trey mentioned, was an all-star. So that was uh, definitely the top honorable mention on our list. And 
likely number 11 of all the, definitely number 11 if you do the composite scores as well on our list but next week we will tackle outfielders and we will be doing top 15 because we are lumping all outfielders together so left field center field right field all into one so we get some really good discussions uh, you get obviously the defensive guys in center with maybe some more power hitting guys in the corners so it'll be a very good discussion and it's also just easier to uh to lump them all in one rather than try to figure out, oh, this guy plays 70 games in left field and 69 in right field. Where do I put them? Um, so we're just going to do outfielders all together and do top 15. So a little bit of a longer discussion, but uh, a, a great discussion nonetheless, because we're going to get to some great ball players and some of the best ball players in baseball. But that does it for this episode. Be sure if you're, I should have said this from the top, if you're watching this on YouTube, it was audio only. We have a lot going on right now, so we just wanted to record and get this out as quickly as possible. Trey has a lot of great stuff uh, in the, what's the word I'm looking for? In the vault, I guess, that he's working on. Yeah, so, in, the no, in the noggin, in the brain. Yeah, one, of, yeah. one of those, any of those words. Yeah, some, something like that, in the noggin vault. So <laughs> he will be pumping out content nonstop so be sure to hit that bell if you are watching on youtube or i guess listening on youtube and uh subscribe to the channel and if you're listening through the traditional podcast formats be sure to head to our youtube and hit that bell for your subscription to our youtube page um couple of programming notes we will uh start doing like our season previews in two weeks kind of the end of march um so we will start really gearing up for the season about a week before opening day. Obviously we'll uh, get back to kind of our normal episodes. Once opening day begins two times a week, they're going to be shorter episodes like 30, 45 minutes tops. Uh, but we will get back to, you know, actual game coverage because we will have a season, even though for a while there, it looks like we might not. So we will get back to that as well. And obviously more interviews and kind of talk about the on field and, and the team as well, rather than just ranking players. But uh, ranking season continues as we finish up with outfielders, starting pitchers, and relief pitchers. Um, and if you head to our Twitter, which you should, at Half Street High Heat, uh, you will see a March Madness bracket of baseball uniforms. So we picked the top 64 uniforms in baseball, seeded them, matched them up. Be sure to go vote uh, first round, the round of 64 last two days. So if you're listening to this on release day, there's only a couple hours left because I believe this is this episode we're recording on Tuesday comes out Thursday. So if you listen to this early enough on Thursday, you might be able to catch the end of round one and get your votes in, but uh, that will be going on for the next couple of weeks until we officially crown the best uniform in baseball. So be sure to check that out. And thank you to Ryan and Trey for helping me with that because as I found out this morning, it took a lot of work. So <laughs> I was very happy to have help on that. So be sure to check that out and stay with it through the end of the voting until we find out definitively what is the best uniform in baseball. But that's all I got. You guys got anything else before we head out? AB is a nap. God, I freaking hope so. <laughs> so it, it makes like obviously Correa is the dream. I would still love story Trey. I know you've been really high in the story yeah, train. I do. I do like story a lot. Um, but I think Chris Bryant makes so much sense. Yeah. He might not be the MVP winner again, but he makes so much sense for this team. So much sense. And I just wish they would just pull the trigger, but I don't know. We'll see. 
Ryan, you got anything else before we head out? Let's get these guys signed. Actually, let's not. I want these guys to not sign until MLB the show comes out so I can sign them in my franchise. That's what I'm meaning on. <laughs> I mean, that's perfectly fair. Business is business. Uh, <laughs> be sure to follow Ryan at We Are All Shack, Trey at Reverse, two R's, two S's, and myself at Nats Moose. Appreciate listening. We'll be back next week with outfielders. And in the meantime, let's go baseball. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator who has the cause has passed the wall to see you later. the early light of dawn well you can see they're running scared cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are and bursting in the air tell the library of congress that they might not want to look cause we're putting curly w's in every book let's go Nats. we've got a game to play we're gonna win today let's Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. 
Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.